Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Listening to the Tide Nation podcast, sponsored by Anchor, with your host Adam Raymer, your source for Alabama football. Roll Tide! What's going on, Tide Nation? Hope everyone is pumped up over that win we got against Notre Dame in the Rose Bowl this past Saturday. Uh, it's been a minute since I put out something, but uh, here it comes. So this episode, we're going to go over the what happened in that Bama Notre Dame game, uh, some of my players of the game that I thought, and get to some Twitter questions. So uh, Tide Nation, get pumped. Let's get it. All right, so hope everybody's doing well. Um, hope everybody is pumped up for this game we got coming up and the game we just had against Notre Dame in the Rose Bowl. Uh, obviously, Bama come out of that game victorious, 31-14, to and that gives us a chance to go on to the national championship game coming up Monday uh, against Ohio State. So, um, and Notre Dame game was pretty much what we thought it was going to be. I mean, or what I thought it was going to be. We got out in front to like a 14 0 lead, never really looked back. Um, you know, Matt Jones again, solid game. Uh, proved why he was a Heisman finalist. Um, he was 25 for 30 for 297 and four. Um, the Heisman winner, Devontae Smith, seven catches, 130, and three. And if anybody is listening, <clears throat> excuse me, was listening to this uh, podcast before, I predicted Devontae like a month ago to be the Heisman winner. And again, I, like I said, nothing against Mac Jones, nothing against Trask or Lawrence or, or Najee. I just thought that. Uh, Devontae was having a Heisman year, and obviously other people thought so as well. Um, all over Twitter, people were, you know, that follow me and I follow were also thinking the same thing. I mean, the guy is just a game-changing receiver, and he showed it 
all year. Again, he showed it in this in this game against Notre Dame that he just he can't be stopped. I mean, right now in college, he cannot be stopped. And I hope that that transfers over into the NFL when he gets drafted, hopefully top 10, maybe earlier. Um, but, but the guy is on a different level. I mean, he just really is, guys. He's, you know, he came back for a senior year this year uh, to prove a point. And there was an awesome picture that I found on Twitter, and I believe I retweeted it, of, of Judy and Ruggs and Devontae and Waddle all standing there on the field together. And it's just incredible to see what's come through Alabama since Saban's been there and what has happened. You, you hear people saying, oh, it's wide receiver you now. Oh, it's running back you. Oh, maybe now it's quarterback you. It, it's everything you. It's NFL you is what I tweeted the other day. Somebody asked me, is Alabama now, you know, uh, wide receiver you or something? And uh, I just said NFL you. As you look at the stats and the players that are in the NFL, I believe Alabama has more than anybody in the other college right now. So, again, Devontae, just incredible game. Um, I want to touch on Najee, too. You know, he had 15 for, I think, a buck 25. No touchdowns. But can we all just appreciate the hurdle that happened? Um, he hurdled a guy that was pretty much standing straight up and jumped completely over him. And that, I don't know if a lot of you know this, but that was his longest rush of his career in Alabama. And mind you, he's a senior, and it was 51 or 53 yards. I think before that it was like 41 yards. So not saying he doesn't have breakaway speed, but he's never hit that <clears throat> that home run like some of the other running backs that we've had you know, before, Ingram and Lacey and Yeldon and Richardson and Derrick Henry and, you know, Kenyon Drake, all those guys. But, again, in kind of in the same boat as uh, as Devontae, Najee decided to come back. I think him and Devontae and some other people said, and, and Mo, Dylan Moses, you know, said, hey, if we come back, we got a chance to win a championship. And here we go, you know. We got one. Um against an Ohio State team that one game looks good, one game doesn't. Um, not saying that they're not a talented team. They didn't deserve to be there. Um, they proved to beat <clears throat> by beating Clemson that they do. But, um, again, like I said, I just wanted to touch base on those three guys, you know, the, the big the three-headed monster, as they say, um, how, how well they played. I thought our defense played pretty good. I thought <clears throat> they they did as good as they could. Um, I think Notre Dame on offense was trying to control the clock, which they did a decent job of that. Uh, but I mean, didn't really get any. I think they had one one drive that was you know fifteen plays, seventy five yards, and a touchdown, uh, which is and it took six minutes off the clock or something. But other than that, it was you know. And that was their first score. I think their other only other score was in kind of not garbage time, but you know towards the end of the game. But they did try to, and, and I've heard this too that you know that's the only way that you can beat Alabama is to limit their offensive possessions, and that's true too. And this at least it is for this year, and the last year. But 
you know, the more you keep the Alabama offense off the field, the better the odds are for the other team. So um, I think that's what they tried to do. Um, they did a decent job of it. But, again, we just were too uh, high-powered of an offense. And I think the defense played pretty well. Um, I mean, Notre Dame, they held us to our lowest point total of the year, which was 31. I think that we had chances to score more than that. Um but you know, even with them, even with them holding us to thirty-one, it never really thought. I, I never really was in doubt about the game at all. Um, I just thought that, you know, we were too too much for them, um, offensively, and maybe defensively too. And, and like I said, Ian Book's a, gr- a good quarterback. I don't think he's great. I think he's good. They got a, they, you know, they got their freshman running back Kyron Williams, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute. But, you know, he, <clears throat> he, he's good. Um, the problem with Notre Dame to me is that they don't have any of those uh, outside receivers that are going to run streaks and go down the field and catch the ball. They live and breathe by right now on those tight ends and those backs catching the ball in the backfield or, or short slant plays, you know, just first downers and relying on Ian Book to make some plays with his feet too. So I think that's another reason why <clears throat> Notre Dame couldn't really, I'm not going to say hang because they could, but that was a um, deciding factor of their offense as well. So um, I want to, I want to talk about a couple of things here. And number one is this is in no way disrespect to Notre Dame or Brian Kelly. But he said that this team was different from 2012 when we played last time. Now, granted, Ian Book is probably better than Everett Golston. Golston, But it's no difference. I, I saw no difference. We come out last time, we beat them 42-14. We probably could have scored, like I said, could have scored a little more. And this is, I I just, I don't feel any different than I did in 2012 with Notre Dame. You know, granted, they did play an all-ACC schedule this year. They beat Clemson without Lawrence. You saw what happened in the ACC championship game when Lawrence was there. And that's nothing against Clemson and DJ, their backup quarterback. I mean, it just, they got stomped in the ACC championship game. So I just wanted to throw that one. Two is, got a little bone to pick with Kyron Williams. He said something in the lines of, they're going to have to kill us to stop us. And he was going to run all over Alabama's defense. Well, Kyron Williams had. 16 rushes for 64 yards and one touchdown. <clears throat> and he acted like, oh, my God, I'm going to go off for, for 250. Well, 16 for 64 and a touchdown, I guess. Not horrible, but it's not what he was running his mouth about, right? And talking about how he was, he's going to run all over us. So, again, just a point to make out there. The big one was they were going to stop Najee Harris. Well, obviously, again, that didn't happen. Because, like I said before, Najee, 15 carries, 
for 125 yards. So he doubled what Kyron Williams had. Now, Kyron Williams did have a touchdown, but it was on the freaking goal line or something. And, you know, good luck trying to stop Magic. You can game plan all you want. This is the thing about Alabama's offense. You can game plan and stack the box, right? You can game plan and try to stack the box to stop the run. What's that do? It opens up our receivers. Well, then, if you want to play our receivers and you want to play either man or zone coverage and play back, then we're going to hand the ball off. It's 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 a lose-lose situation for any defense that's playing this this year. And that's just how I feel. Other people might feel differently, but that's how I feel. I feel that they, uh, Alabama offensively can't be stopped. And there's times, me and my son were talking about this, there's times when we punt a ball or we have to kick a field goal, I'm disappointed because we didn't get it in the end zone. And I shouldn't feel that way, but I do. It's just expected, I think, of anybody that watches an Alabama game or a fan of Alabama. They expect us to score every single time we touch the ball. And if we don't, it's like, oh my gosh, what happened? We didn't score a touchdown? What's going on? We need to fix that. You know, we got to take it with a grain of salt there, guys. I mean, we... we we would all love to score every single time, but it's it's probably not going to happen. We're probably the most efficient at it, but again, can't get mad when we don't score every time. So, <clears throat> one more thing about this this game: Notre Dame gets into the playoff, and I don't know the stats on how many times. I know they've been there a couple. Of, I know, but they get in the playoff, and every single time they get romped by whoever they play. Uh, they, I, to me, they are just, they're, they're steps behind other teams, especially Ohio. It wouldn't have mattered if Clemson would have played them again, or if Ohio State would have played them, or like we played them. It wouldn't have mattered, guys. No, whoever played Notre Dame was going to beat Notre Dame. And again, it's nothing against them. I just think they're steps behind. It's been proven, you know. They were going to lose. It didn't matter. They could have come in with all the confidence in the world, which they did. If anybody watched anything on pregame interviews and all that, and Brian Kelly, he's like, this isn't 2012. We're coming to whip some ass in something like in, in that fashion. I just sat there and I was like, okay, we'll prove it. And I say that about him every year, prove it. And I have, you know, my father-in-law follows Notre Dame a little bit. He's a big Bama fan, but... Um, he follows Notre Dame and he roots for them every now, you know, he does root for them, but he even said too, they're just, you know, like I said, they're step behind. They're not, not that they can't compete in division one football because they can't, obviously they can't, they do it every year. But when it comes down to the, to the big games, they just, I don't think they have the firepower to, uh, to keep up with that. So again, like I said, they get in and they get romped. I don't have nothing against the committee, but we need to start looking at this. And Or they need to get a step ahead and catch up with, with the big boys. So um, some key players for me, and, and some of these are really obvious for me. One, number one is Devontae Smith. He has proved his worth and what he means to this Alabama team. And not just to the Alabama team, what he's meant to college football. The kid is, he's a great kid. Um, if anybody watched his Heisman speech, it was pretty simple, down to the, down to earth. 
straight to the point. You know, you pretty much said, you know, it's great, but we got another game to win. Business isn't done yet. Um, and, and plus, he, like I said, he played great in this Notre Dame game. But all in all, this kid, what a blessing he has been to, to Alabama football, to SEC football, to, to NCAA football. Um, a lot of kids have a role model in him. And um, he's proven that. So, uh, Najee Harris, same thing, guys, to me. He's, again, came back for his senior year. He had a great game against Notre Dame. Obviously, the hurdle, people are going to be talking about that forever until he does it again. Um, but same kind of player. And and Matt Jones, Echo, you know what I mean? He, nobody, I don't care there might be some people, but I would say nine out of ten people saw this coming from Mac Jones. What what he's done now, people can say, "Oh, he's got a great offensive line." He does. It's probably the best in the country. Oh, he's got great wideouts. He does. Probably the best in the country. But he still has to make those throws. He still has to know what coverages to read. He still has to know what to tell the open the offensive line on an audible. I mean, he's. The kid is really smart, guys, and I, I I firmly believe he has cemented himself into a first or second round draft pick, maybe a first, depending on what teams need. And I got a buddy of mine, um, I've given him a shout out before, it's uh, Stephen Burton, he runs the Forged in Blue podcast. If any of you guys listening are Colts fans, he's a great, uh, he's a great one to go listen to, so check him out. But. He, um, I think it's just, Matt Jones is going to be a good pro, guys. He's going to be a really good pro. I don't know if he's going to be an Aaron Rodgers, but I just got a feeling he's going to be a good pro. So, and the last one I got is Christian Barmore. You know, he pressured Ian Book on 20% of all of his throws that he made in this game. And Christian Barmore, I believe, took over now from Will Anderson on the SEC sacks leader. So I think Christian Barmore is underrated and a hell of a player. Just he, he was so good in that Notre Dame game. So those are kind of my four guys that I loved watching in this game. Uh, all in all, guys, great team win. Um, we look forward to this national championship game against Ohio State and see what they can um, – what we can do against them. High-powered offenses, uh, both have some weaknesses in defense, so real similar, so we'll see what happens. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to finish up. I'm going to throw in a little uh, Bama hoops, um, and then we're going to get into uh, our Twitter questions. So we'll be right back, guys. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And I got a couple of reasons why. Number one, hey, it's free, guys. It doesn't cost you a dime. Also, there's a creation tool there. It allows you to record and edit your podcast from your phone or your computer. Everybody's on their phones and computers all day long. It's awesome. Hey, they'll also distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more options. You can make money from this, guys, from your podcast. 
No minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Hey, so guys, if you really want to start doing this, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, welcome back, guys. So, like I said, I'm going to throw some Bama hoops in because we haven't really, I haven't really talked about them much this this season uh, in the pod, which we we are going to start talking about them a little more as football winds down. Um, but if you haven't watched Alabama hoops, you guys need to. Coach Oates has these guys playing so good as of late. Kind of had to start a rocky start to the season, but I think as of right now, we're seven and three. And the a couple of big wins recently. One was we beat number seven Tennessee. Um, Tennessee, like I say, was ranked seventh in in the country, uh, playing lights out, and we came in there and beat them. I think Primo and Petty and Shackelford, all of them, all of them, Herb Jones. I think all of these kids have. Finally, and I'm not saying last year or this year that they haven't bought into Nate Oates, but I think now they have. And just by watching them this this season versus last season, and even recently in the last two or three games, it's it's totally different. Um, obviously, like I said, we beat Tennessee. Then we beat Florida to gain um, – we're number one in the SEC right now. So I, I can't tell you the last time that happened in the Alabama basketball it's been a while, I know, but guys, they are so good. They are playing so well. They are playing together, running the game plan that Coach Oates wants. They're stepped up defensively better. Uh, it still needs to improve. I think they need to shoot the three ball a little bit better. Um, it was a little bit better the last couple of games, but this season it wasn't great. And from the free throw line, they got to get better at that, but um, all in all, I'm just really impressed. I love the culture that Nate Oates has brought to, to Coleman Coliseum. I, I love what he has done. I think he is a great coach. If we can get some defensive stops, um, obviously hit our free throws. They're free for a reason, guys. Um, but they are just – they're playing outstanding basketball right now. We got a big game Saturday against Auburn coming up. Um I haven't watched – I don't even like talking about Auburn, but I haven't watched much of them. I haven't, everybody knows who their coach is, but uh, it's it's Auburn. That's just like in football. We always worry about that game, and we always want to beat the crap out of them. So tune in Saturday, guys, um, uh, to, to Bama and Auburn if you're not watching anything else. I would highly suggest it. So I got just a couple of Twitter questions. <clears throat> I had about four or five. I'm going to get to these two. Um, one is – Again, my buddy Stephen Burton that runs the Forge and Blue podcast, he asked me something on Twitter. He said, are Bama fans at all concerned with Justin Fields in Ohio State, or are they already celebrating number 18 already? That's a great question. And <laughs> I'm concerned. I think other people are wishy-washy. They're thinking, oh, he, he's got cracked ribs, which he might. Um 
there's obviously been talks about trying to postpone it or reschedule the game because of of COVID situation up there. Me, I am, I'm worried and I'm not worried. And I'm worried because he's a dynamic player. We have trouble uh, defensively with those kinds of quarterbacks, and that's been proven. Um, they're just really good offensively. Now, why I'm not worried is if it's a shootout, I still think we win. I think we have more weapons. Um, and I think both secondaries, I'm not going to say are weak, but they have weaknesses. Both defenses have weaknesses in them. Um, I just feel that if it comes down to a shootout, that Alabama would outshoot them. Now, if I'm right, I'm right. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Other people might have other opinions on this, but it's a great question. I am not celebrating number 18. I don't know what anybody else is. I, I I see tweets all day, every day. Let's go get number 18. And after Monday, we're going to have number 18. But I don't know how many people actually are 100% confident. No, we're never. Nobody is. But I'm pretty confident that we're going to win this ball game. Um, We've showed it all year. Why stop now? Um, But no, to, to answer your question, no, I am not celebrating number 18. And yes, I'm a little worried but not worried. So um, here's another one. Lamar Lovelace at the Single Coverage Podcast asked me something too. And I didn't really touch on this yet, but it's th- thoughts on on, uh, on Sark leaving for Texas. So I, I got mixed emotions here, guys. I really do. I love Sark. I think he's been great. He had some personal problems back, you know, when he was at USC. and he, Those are fixed. I love Sark. I have mixed emotions because I don't want him to leave. I think he would be the perfect person to take over for Nick Saban when when Saban decides to hang his hang his shoes up. Um, I don't think that's going to be anytime soon. He's you know Saban's come out multiple times. He wants to coach till he can't coach anymore. Um, so, but but on Sark, I think Texas is the perfect job for him. Uh, it's a big school, great facilities, great fan base. Um, tons of recruits in his area, and people are going to want to go play for that guy. Obviously, what he's done with Alabama on our offense, he's going to be able to get some of his own players in there and do that same kind of thing. Um, the thing about Texas is they want you to win, and they want you to win quick. I mean, Tom Herman hadn't been there that long, and Tom Herman's a good coach. Um, I actually think that we might be looking at him for an OC job. Um, <clears throat> but my thoughts on Sark leaving is our I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for him. I think it's, it's going to be a great job for him. I think he's going to do a great job for him, but selfishly a little bit in my mind. And I think in some in Alabama fans minds is we don't want him to go. Um, the other big question is, is how's he going to, how's, how's he going to coach this next game? How, you know, we've had some, some, coaching changes like that with Kiffin before and Loxley and, and I, I truly believe that he's going to be in it to win it. He's going to prepare and he's going to worry about, about Texas on January 12th and not until then. Um, 
I think he respects Coach Saban too much to not give his all to this team and everything that's happened and everything that's been given to Sark, too. I mean, Sark's come out and thank Coach and for everything that, that him and the Alabama program has done. Um, so I, I think that I, if anybody's worried about it, I, I would lean on the side to say don't worry as much about it. Um, because I think his head's going to be in the game. I really do. I think he's going to coach like he's always coached. He's going to win his title. And then he's going to go coach at Texas. So, um, anyway, that th- those were the two questions that I thought I wanted to, to kind of go over. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about Sark, too, uh, in the next episode. But, you know, again, yes, I'm worried about Ohio State. And no, I'm not. And selfishly, I don't want Sark to go, but I'm happy for him. So, hey, guys, that's the end of this this episode. Uh, we appreciate all you tuning in. Uh, please remember to share, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at, Twi- at Tide Nation Podcast. And uh, you can submit your questions to me on there, and we will be glad to go over with, with you. We love you guys and, and, and love answering those. So, We will talk to you all next time, and roll tide.